This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Eliza Harvey. It's Thursday the 20th of January. In your Squiz today, Charlize Mutton's stepfather is charged over her murder, the challenges of getting aid to Tonga, the Republic question, and a new crowd chant. This is your Squiz today. There's been a tragic end to the case of Charlize Mutton, the nine-year-old who went missing in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales. Her body was found in a barrel near the Colo River, about an hour's drive from where she was last seen. Her stepfather, Jason Stein, has been charged with murder. He's in police custody and has been refused bail. Eliza, take us through what's known so far. So police believe she was killed somewhere between 7pm on Tuesday night and 10am Wednesday morning last week. Police weren't told that she disappeared until Friday morning. And it was inconsistencies in Stein's version of events in two separate police interviews that caused them to get a bit sus. They then tracked his move through GPS and CCTV at Bunnings to the bush location where she was eventually found. And at the hardware store, he bought 100 kilograms of sandbags. Police say he did have an intention to dump the barrel into the Colo River in the Blue Mountains, but a combination of the weight of the sand and the little girl's weight meant it was too heavy and he left it in the bush. There is still a lot that isn't known, a motive for one, as well as the exact cause of death. Stein's lawyers told the court he was suffering long-standing mental health issues and he'll return to court in March. Now, Charlize was down from the Gold Coast to visit her mother and stepfather. Police still haven't been able to interview her mother yet. No, she had a medical episode after her daughter's disappearance and she's still receiving treatment in hospital. But police say that Stein talked to her over the phone from Bunnings. They say they're still acting on the assumption that Stein acted alone. However, they've added the caveat that it's still early days and the investigation will continue beyond these charges that have been laid against Stein. Her biological father posted a tribute to his beautiful little girl on Facebook. As you say, the police investigation will continue, so there's more to come on this one. An absolutely tragic story. On to the latest in Tonga. Ships and planes from both Australia and New Zealand are being loaded with supplies and aid for the country, which is reeling, of course, after the massive volcano eruption. It won't be without its logistical challenges, though. Tonga has had only one case of COVID for the entirety of the pandemic, and the last thing they need right now is an outbreak. That's right. And the Pacific has had an awful history of communities being Mm. wiped out by imported diseases like measles and influenza in the 1800s. So they're taking this threat of COVID very seriously, as you'd imagine. A New Zealand ship is on its way with supplies and fresh water, and they're looking at doing a contactless delivery system to get those critical supplies onto the ground in Tonga, which, as you mentioned, sounds pretty tricky, but aid groups are quickly adapting to this quite unique relief operation. The UN coordinator on the ground, Jonathan Beach, says we won't be doing anything to threaten the safety of the population. While we're on COVID, there are new rules in South Australia, New South Wales and Victoria when it comes to booster shots. People in those states can now get their third jab three months after their second, so a month earlier than previously. 
Yes, and by bringing forward that booster shot program, millions more Australians will be able to get that all-important jab ASAP. That's the advice from doctors. In fact, health authorities in New South Wales said 1.7 million people had got a booster by Monday this week, which is only half of those eligible. Also announced yesterday a visa rebate scheme for international students and backpackers that's aimed at plugging a critical worker shortage. There's also National Cabinet today, so stand by for any other news out of that meeting. It's Thursday, which means we've got a new Squiz Shortcuts episode out today. We take a look at calls for Australia to become a republic. There's a few reasons why it's topical right now. The Queen is about to celebrate 70 years on the throne. And the Australian Republic movement have outlined a new preferred model for how Australia could choose a head of state. It is, of course, a question that's come up before, Eliza. It has. That was in 1999 when a referendum was held. 45% of people voted for change. 55% voted no. And at the time, the former PM, Bob Hawke, said he thought the results showed that people did want change, but were confused by the model for how we'd install a head of state. So in the shortcut, Claire and I look at the past, the way our country was founded and the relationship with Britain, and to the future, whether there's an appetite for breaking up with the royal family now and the model through which we'd appoint an Australian head of state. Yeah, it's a really good one if you want to get your head around what happened in that 1999 referendum, plus how this new model would work, plus there's a little bit of the royals in there. It's an interesting (laughs) one. Search for Squiz Shortcuts in your podcasting app. Tech giant Microsoft is making some big moves in the gaming industry. Eliza, they're planning to buy a video game company called Activision Blizzard in a deal worth around 90 billion Australian dollars. For a bit of reference, Activision Blizzard make games like Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, even Candy Crush. So some big names there. And add Minecraft to that list, Larissa. It's Mm. very big in the world of eight-year-old boys and thus very big in my house. (laughs) But if this deal is approved by regulators, it'll help Microsoft's video game ambitions, making it the third largest gaming company by revenue after Tencent and Sony. And Microsoft boss Satya Nadella said the deal would play a role in the development of its metaverse platforms. So to translate that from tech speak, that means your digital second life uh, that you'd live out through virtual reality. So one of those headsets you wear to help you operate in a 3D environment, you um, interact with virtual objects and talk to other people who are also in the metaverse. Yeah, that metaverse just keeps coming up. The deal still needs to pass the regulators and the whole thing could still take 12 to 18 months to close. But if it does go through, it'll be Microsoft's biggest ever acquisition. On to sport, and it looks like Melbourne could be set to host the 2026 Commonwealth Games. It's kind of awkward, though. Instead of being selected, they were asked to by the organising committee because no one else put their hand up. Yeah, initially I thought this was bizarre, given that it's such a big tourism opportunity. Mm. But then I thought that it perhaps it points to countries' ongoing reservations about putting their hands up for a major event in the age of COVID. Um, as you mentioned, it wouldn't be till 2026, and I think I speak on behalf of everyone in saying that <laughs> COVID hopefully won't be a thing by then, at least one that doesn't destabilise big events. Oh, yeah, if we're still talking about COVID in 2026, that will be a very, very bad time. It will. The Victorian government hasn't said yes just yet. They'll be doing some feasibility studies. The next Com Games are in Edinburgh later this year. 
If you've been watching the tennis and you've noticed something that sounds like booing around the stadium, but in a way that makes no sense to what's going on on court, there's an explanation for it, Eliza. It turns out the crowd isn't actually booing. No, it's not. Uh, I must say that I hate booing and I did wonder how that was all going to go down mm-hmm. if Djokovic had actually been allowed to play in the in the Open. But back to Nick Kyrgios because uh, that was a sound that we heard when he was playing in his first round match. Yes. Um, what it is, though, it's not a boo. It's a war cry. Uh, and it's the celebration of Portuguese footballer Ronaldo when he does his trademark celebration after scoring a goal. Everyone in the crowd shouts it out. I must say, I did see the clips from this the other night and thought, why would they boo yeah. Nick Kyrgios? He's one of our big stars. But absolutely, that was what was happening. It's So it's the word see you, and I don't think either you or I want to have a go at, at making the sound. <laughs> I definitely don't. <laughs> so if you haven't heard it, I'll pop a link into your episode. Episode notes, but yes, they're not booing, they're seeing. So anyway, <laughs> squeeze the day, Eliza. What are you keeping an eye on today? National Cabinet's meeting today. Uh, mm. And we're going to, obviously, every time they meet, sometimes there's some very big policy changes. The New South Wales government, though, is going to, after National Cabinet, outline its return to school plans. And that's something many of us here in this state are looking at with school-aged kids pretty keen to get them back to school. Yeah, lots of people interested in that announcement. For me, it's Penguin Awareness Day, which is just cute because penguins are adorable. But also, if you've (laughs) ever heard Benedict Cumberbatch, the actor, try to pronounce penguin, it's something that will definitely make you laugh. He narrated a whole nature documentary on penguins and absolutely butchered the pronunciation. (laughs) So I'm happy that it happens to mere mortals like Benedict Cumberbatch. Correct. Like venerated actors like that, butchering words. I'll pop a link to it in your episode notes as well. That's all from us today. Have a good Thursday and we will be back with you tomorrow. A quick message now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic dam copper mine. It's happening now at BHP.